Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. All right, my wife's been out of town for a couple weeks. She's coming back on Tuesday. And so we have a number of friends who have taken pity on me and invite me out or invite me over, you know, just, to, you know, and that's wonderful. So last night, my friends Mike and Kathy um, invited me out. We had a wonderful dinner. We we were with another couple and um, we, we got to talking and we were discussing school referendum and how it seems like they always, always pass because there are people in the community whether it's the, the parents or whether it's the teachers who are very, very mobilized and they get out and, and they turn out and they vote. And so these things always pass. And I was saying, yeah, I think that that's true. I'm not sure if that's really what the legislature had intended when they put in that referendum law a number of years ago. But but at least it, it's the will of the people. And I was thinking about that because. I firmly believe that if we were to have referendums in the community asking whether or not we would support higher taxes for more dedicated law enforcement, my guess is those referendums would pass uh, 70-30. And if we made the referendums dedicated to more traffic law enforcement money for that, my guess it would pass 90-10. to 10. It is a miracle that I am sitting here talking you to, to you today. Tell me my, my, my quick driving story, and I, I share this only in the context of Misery Loves Company because my guess is if you if you commute to work, if you're driving out and on the roads, you, you probably have the same thing happen to you that happened to me or almost happened to me. You probably have it happen a couple times a week. Now, our, our studios here on Capitol Drive or like on Capitol and, and Humboldt, I live to the north. So when I go home from work, I almost always will take the freeway. Sometimes, you know, on a nice summer day, maybe I'll, I'll take another route. But i got to get on I-43 going north. There are two ways, as a practical matter, you get on I-43 going north from where we are. One is you go down Capitol Drive and you pick up I-43 north at, at Capitol Drive. If you go down Capitol Drive on any day, you take your life into your hands. I am willing to bet that Capitol Drive is one of the more, and I understand this is saying a lot, one of the more just unsafe from any perspective that you want to look at. It's one of the more unsafe streets. I mean, heck, even even to the east, Capitol Drive in Oakland is where Chris Abley almost got carjacked a month ago. And unless I've missed it, that the, the people that tried to carjack him uh, ha- haven't been caught. But it, it's not just the, the threat of violence. It's just... You, you drive down that road and you're watching people blowing through red lights and you're watching people driving 75 miles an hour in the 35 mile an hour zone. And it's just you, you take your life into your own hands, even going those few blocks. So more traditionally, unless I'm feeling particularly bold, what I will do is I will go north and, and pick up the interstate um, off of Port Washington Road, there, right before you get to Silver Spring, if you can picture that area, there's a, you, you, you can turn, you can get on the freeway there. And, and that's kind of how I go. So yesterday, after the program, I am driving north on Port Washington Road, coming to that northbound exit of I-43. Um, it, in order to do that, I'm going north, and so what you have to do, there, there's a, a stoplight, and you, you turn you make a left turn lane, so you're in the northbound lane, you cross the southbound lane, you get on the freeway. So I'm I'm in the intersection waiting to make the left hand turn. 
I get in the intersection when it turns green, and there's cars coming the other way. So you got to wait for the cars to go before you can go. The light turns yellow. And now I'm in the intersection. The light has turned yellow. And I understand that there will be cars will go through the light when it's yellow. So I'm being the cautious driver. I'm sitting here waiting as, as I'm watching these cars come. And it, I, I see this car in one of the two lanes. And it's, gosh, it, it's a ways away from the intersection. Now, the light is yellow. And there, there's no way this car is going to get to the intersection before the light turns red. But I'm looking at this car, and I'm thinking, this guy ain't stopping. And I, I'm watching this, and so now the light has turned red. I'm in the intersection. The light has turned red. There's going to be cars that are getting off the freeway that now have the green light. And I'm watching this car, and this car is speeding up. Now, I'm stopped, so I'm a bad judge of how fast it's going, but my guess is it's going 50 miles an hour. And the light is red, and I, I'm now counting. I'm thinking, this guy. Now I'm in. I'm in the middle of the intersection, but I'm. I'm not. I haven't crossed over into that lane of traffic yet because I'm watching this car come through. And I'm thinking, this car is not stopping. And I'm right. The car is not only not stopping; it is accelerating. So I. I, I don't know. It seems like forever, but it's probably. I counted to three or four, and the car just blows through the red light, and it, it's just a miracle because if I would have gone, it would hit me, or if somebody else. Um, who had the red, the green light had gone in, they would have hit him. And I'm just thinking, I, I'm looking around thinking, where is a cop when you want them? Because th- this isn't sneaking through a red light. This is somebody who saw a red light and sped up to go through it. And I said, okay, all right. So I get on the freeway and I'm thinking, all right, just kind of missed out on that one. And so I'm getting onto the freeway and there's, at, at that particular intersection or, or that entrance, you, you have three lanes that go down to two. So you, you got to get over. So there is a truck that is ahead of me and the truck is, is getting up to speed. So the truck is going 30 or 35 miles an hour. So I pull in behind the truck and I decide I'm going to get into the left lane to try to get past the, the truck. All right. So I'm, I'm doing that and I'm accelerating. The truck is accelerating. I look in my rear view mirror and there is a car that is coming up on me and the car, by this time, I'm probably doing 50. This car is doing 80 if it is doing a mile. And I'm watching it, and it's kind of weaving it back and forth. And it's it just, this car is flying. And so, okay, I'm thinking, what's, so I accelerate, get past the truck, get over. The car passes me like a bat out of you know what. And, I, and I'm looking over. I swear, there is a woman driving this car. It was a kind of beater Honda Accord. There is a woman driving the car. And I am not exaggerating. She has the driver's side visor down. She is looking in a mirror, not not a rear view mirror. There is a mirror on the visor. She is looking in the visor. She's in her right hand. She has lipstick. She is putting on lipstick. And the left hand, it, it looks like to me, and I couldn't tell because she went by me so fast. It looks like to me she's kind of driving or steering with her left elbow. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, where is a cop? When, I mean, again, I'm, I'm looking around thinking, where, where is a police officer when, when you, you need them? Because I, you just, you're just kind of watching this, and you're thinking, you know, it, it's, it's lucky there's not more cars out on the road because you know that this woman is just a complete and total accident waiting to happen. And I, I'm sure if you commute to work, 
You don't even have to drive that many miles to have stories like that on just a regular basis. And we've seen that and we've talked about it. The number of fatalities have been going up, went up dramatically in the last year, despite the fact that because of COVID, the number of miles driven has gone down. It's just I I don't have an answer for it. Uh, I understand why in the era of budget cuts and spiraling crime, you can't devote as much attention to traffic enforcement as you want. I understand that even when you catch people and they're driving without a license for the fifth or sixth or eighth or tenth time that they've been caught, that nothing's going to happen to them anyways until they hit and kill somebody. I recognize that that's how the court system is, that that's how the criminal justice system is. But my goodness gracious, Uh, it's just like... How many more people have to die on the roads before we start taking this seriously? Nevertheless, glad that the lady who was driving with her left elbow while putting on lipstick at 80 miles an hour, glad she didn't hit anybody in my immediate range. And the guy that ran through the red light and darn near hit me or the car is going the other way. I hope he got to where he was going because he was in one heck of a hurry. When we come back, speaking of one heck of a hurry, impeachment moves forward. We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A number of funny texts. Jeff, it's called a vanity mirror. Search angry badger commercials from the 90s. They're a bit sexist, but they're pretty funny. I, I Again, I, I'm not exaggerating. She's got the mirror there. She's putting on lipstick with her right hand. She's kind of got the steering wheel in her left elbow, it looks to me. Like I say, driving at least 80 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, um, okay, there you go. Um, let's see. Um, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry to hear about your traffic incidents yesterday. I drive Capitol Drive every day from 27th Street to Brookfield. I don't see many people blow through red lights. Usually people are courteous enough to stop at a red light, look both ways, and then drive through. Jeff, I drive a semi. You should see what I see all day long. Jeff, you, yeah, betcha. Jeff, you could sit at an intersection with lights anywhere and you will see this all day long. I always wait once the light turns green because I got T-boned in the exact same location you just described. Uh, Jeff, this is daily. There are never any squads monitoring traffic during commute times on any freeways Monday through Friday, but they'll be out there stopping mom and pop coming home from church on Sunday going 59 miles an hour. Um, where are they? Are they hiding? Um, uh, Jeff, I understand and agree with you about how ridiculous traffic is, but by traffic laws, we are not supposed to pull into the intersection and wait. I know we all do this, but it's actually supposed to wait at the light, regardless if it's green or whatever, until it's clear to pass through and clear cross traffic. Now, well, I pull out into the intersection and, and wait as long as I have the light. That's kind of how I do it. I think that's how, that's how most people do it. Bottom line is, be careful because it is absolutely crazy out there. All right, people in a hurry. And the latest example of that is what has happened today. Uh, the Nancy Pelosi, the House of Representatives, passed, their, they impeached the president. And again, what terms are important, the House of Representatives returns articles of impeachment. That is called impeachment. Then there is a trial that is held in the Senate to determine whether or not somebody will be convicted or acquitted. So the president has been impeached. Now the question becomes, former President Trump has been impeached. The question becomes, will he be convicted? Um, the Senate rules say essentially that once the articles of impeachment are transmitted, they're supposed to act forthwith. Um, so the articles of impeachment 
the House sat on them until, uh, well, they just announced that they are going to deliver them on Monday to the U.S. Senate. Now, one of the things that goes on now is the Democrats now control the U.S. Senate. It's 50-50, but you've got Kamala Harris who casts the deciding vote. So Chuck Schumer has not set the timeline, but it does, the, the smart money is that the trial of former President Trump will begin if not Monday, sometime early next week, which makes it interesting for how you mount a a defense to these things if you do it with very little notice because, well, I I don't know, you know, you charge somebody with a a crime and you get 60, 90 days, six months, a year, you know, before you go to trial. But, you know, this, this is a different sort of trial. It is a political show trial. And so it is entirely possible that you will have the impeachment trial of former President Trump that will be scheduled for maybe sometime next week. I mean, I think it is definitely going to be fast-tracked. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my prediction about what will happen. And you can feel free to disagree with this, but from my prediction comes my conclusion. Donald Trump is not going to be convicted. To convict Donald Trump, you need 67 members of the United States Senate to vote to convict him. You will have 50 Democrats who will vote in lockstep. You will have, just like you had in the House of Representatives, you will have a handful of Republicans who peel off and probably vote for the impeachment. My guess is maybe five, could be a few more. You're you're not, in my opinion, going to get close to 67, and Donald Trump, for the second time in a year, will be acquitted in the Senate. So that's what the headline's going to be, acquitted. And just like a year ago, he will stand up with a a newspaper and a headline that says acquitted. That's what I predict will happen. If that happens, my question is, is, has this all been worth it? Is is there a point to proceeding with impeachment and when you know that he is not going to be convicted of it? And as I said, Donald Trump is gone. He leaves. Some people would disagree with this, but I think he leaves office, at least in the view of a lot of people, in disgrace. He leaves people with the likelihood that he is going to be a viable political candidate is, is gone. I'm holding a story in my hand that talks about how his his businesses are, are just kind of a an absolute train wreck in the um, most recent financial disclosure forms that he filed as he left office, he revealed that his hotels, resorts, and other properties had lost more than $120 million in revenue last year. The Washington Hotel has a $170 million loan outstanding. His Doral Resort in Miami has a huge debt load. That saw a 44% drop. Um, one of its banks and one of its law firms said they're cutting ties with the Trump organization. He, he leaves... He leaves, I don't know if it's fair to say a broken man, but but he leaves office, um, I don't know if it's fair to say disgrace either, but he leaves with a, a low approval rating. He leaves facing huge financial problems. He is not going to be convicted. My point all along was that they should have issued a censure resolution, and that would have at least, exp- that would have done a lot of bipartisan support. But now he's gone. Is it in the interest of the country to proceed with trying to impeach, even assuming you can do that legally, impeach a president who is no longer in office? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. My answer would be, 
What What is the point of all this, especially if I'm right and he's not going to be convicted? If he's not going to be convicted because a lot of people don't think it's right to do it or that he didn't commit high crimes and misdemeanors, what what is the point of doing it now that he is gone? We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Tell you what, I want to make sure we have enough time to fully get into this. If you're just tuning in, um, the article of impeachment is going to go to the Senate on Monday. Uh, Chuck Schumer is kind of intimating that there is going to be a very quick trial, um, which means it could start in the next day or two, early next week, perhaps. I, I think I think this is an exercise in futility. I think that if you want to move the country on Going through this exercise is bad for the country. And by the way, he's not going to be convicted. So what's the ultimate point? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, we'll go to the phones in just a second. Let me just share a sampling of the numerous texts which are pouring in. Jeff, I still think the House should not even pass on the articles of impeachment, therefore letting the whole thing die. Um, contact House of Congressional Representatives and demand no trial. It's time to move on with the more prudent, urgent business of the country. Jeff, it's hateful and vindictive and a waste of resources to pursue impeachment at this point in time. Jeff, the only thing that Congress has done is completely water down impeachment. It means nothing anymore. Jeff, should we just ignore an attempted coup? Well, well, no, no, I would I would argue that you shouldn't ignore an attempted coup. The people that were the actors in that are being arrested right and left, and they're being charged with all sorts of of crimes. So, no, and and if you believe that the president in his remarks committed a crime, now, I I don't think there's too many serious people who who believe that, and and I I did not condone what President Trump did. did. Did, were his remarks to the mob, do I think that they were inappropriate? Yeah, I, I do. Do I think that they rise to the level of a crime? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't even think it's close. But it, again, if you believe, and if there's prosecutors that believe that he committed a crime, well, okay, I, you, you go ahead and and you charge him with that. But you're, you're not going to get a conviction. Jeff, any president, Democrat or Republican, that incites an attempted coup should be convicted, and shame on the Senate if they don't convict. Well, they're not going to convict, I don't think. 855-616-1620. Jeff, if people truly want to bring the country together, then stop dwelling in the past by carrying out this impeachment. Jeff, it makes no sense at all. It's all the Pelosi and Schumer show who are playing to their base. That's why whatever happens, in my opinion, this is going to be a political show trial one way or the other. Jeff, I am pleased that Trump is no longer in office. However, I think pursuing impeachment will only feed into the martyr syndrome that seems to be believed by his base. Let's just ignore him and hope the movement fizzles out as Trump is removed from the limelight. That's why I have been arguing I I argued this with the first impeachment, too. It it was not going to succeed. I argued that a resolution of censure would have been much more effective and much more telling because you would have broad, broad bipartisan support. Now, at this point in time, he's not even in office. And maybe we would have a different conversation, 
a different conversation if there was some equivalent that happened with a year left in his term. And I understand it's tough to do that because this was, you know, again, after the election type of thing. But at this point in time, really, what is this going to accomplish? And by the way, if I'm right and he is acquitted, does that doesn't that make him a martyr, especially to um, I don't want to say all 70 plus million people who voted for him, but the tens of millions of the people out of that 74. OK, let's start with Dell in West Dallas. Dell, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, I, I, I guess I feel a little different. I feel that, you know, uh, the House should do their job that the I mean, every time they feel, a, you know, president's done something that uh, warrants removing him from office it it should be done i think if we're talking about the problem of why does it take 67 instead of 51 to remove him from office then that's something you need to 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 do with an amendment you know if if that makes it futile even doing it you know oh you don't uh, really mean that do you i mean let me stop you there for a second you you don't really Given the fact that that impeachment isn't a criminal proceeding, impeachment is a political proceeding, you don't really want to get to a point where if you have a president of one party, that the House and the Senate can remove that president by a vote of 50 plus one, 50 percent plus one. I mean, can, can, can you imagine what would, can you imagine what would happen then anytime you had a Democrat in the White House and Republicans controlling the House and Senate or vice versa? You don't really want to change those rules, do you? I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> I, I actually kind of do. And, and here's one other thing. The reason why this might actually pass why they might actually convict him is because there's some republicans that feel like it would be nice if in 2024 he couldn't run for president because that's the one benefit of impeaching him and remove and 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 you 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 get to say you can't hold that office again and i think that's important to some republicans and why they might uh why they might actually vote to remove him Okay, let's let me ask you this. What and I think and I think a handful will. I, I mean, I think a handful will. There's there's 50 Republicans in the U.S. Senate. What would be your your guess? Uh, what if if you had to guess today? How many how many of those Republicans do you think will vote for to convict? My guess is somewhere around 10. Okay, thanks for calling. Well, you know, right, right. Right yeah. now, that's what you know. Some news outlets are reporting that there's there's about ten that are willing to do it. That McConnell's siding with possibly wanting to try and unify the Republican Party and removing him in some way. And there's, the, you yeah. know, okay. No, thanks for calling. I, I get. It. I mean, I don't know if if I, I what did I do? I set the. I set the over-under. I was actually proud of this. I set the over-under for the number of Republicans that they could peel off and vote for impeachment in the House at 10, and, and that, that, that was it. They, they, there were 10. I would say, if you pin me, I said five, I said probably not more than five. I would set the over-under at seven. Um, there will be a handful of Republicans, but at least in my opinion, you're not going to get close to 17. And I think the reason a lot of people are going to do that is, first of all, people are going to say they don't think this rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, even though I think everybody or at least most people would agree that the remarks were inappropriate. Secondly, he's gone. That's just the other reality. He's gone. He's history. 
And I, I think that there's a number of Republicans who are going to get hung up on the whole idea of what, what, what is the point of going through a, a political show trial when he's not around. Now, I understand Dell makes a fair point that one of the, the sidelights of impeachment could be that if he were convicted, then they have a, a second hearing and you only need 50 vote. You only need 51 votes um, to determine whether he can't run again. But look, the, the truth is Donald Trump as a viable political candidate is is going nowhere. And, and if he were somehow to be the nominee of the Republican Party in 2024, that, that would be the best thing that happened to the Democrats because he got 70-plus million votes this time and, and lost. He, he's not going to get anywhere close to 70 million, you know, four years from now. I, Donald Trump as a political – as a personal political candidate is done. Could Could he, at least in my opinion – try to influence stuff and dabble in Republican Party politics and try to, you know, support candidates who were supportive of him in 2022. Yeah, that, I guess that might happen. I'm not sure how much viability it's going to do. But if we're going through impeachment to get a second hearing as to whether he can run again, well, the, really? Let's talk to Bill and Grafton. Bill, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Howdy. Uh previous caller stole a little bit of my thunder. I was just going to say that in the run-up to the 2016 election, Lindsey Graham, of all people, stated that if Donald Trump became the nominee, he would destroy the Republican Party, and we would deserve it. Well, look where we are four years later. The presidency, the Senate, and the House, all controlled by Democrats. He is a pox on the party. He does need to be removed. Um, But he he has been removed. But he he has been removed. He's gone. He's gone. I mean, he's he's not the president anymore. He's already toying with running, starting a patriot party. He has a huge base that follows him, not the Republicans. They, they are loyal to Donald Trump. He needs to be removed. He is a pox on the party. And this is the opportunity, and you and I both know, that if the Republicans were able to vote by secret ballot, he'd be gone in the snap of the fingers. They just don't have the stones to pull it off and, and uh, risk losing his, his crazy base. Let me... Let's play this out, though. Okay, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about the the base. What what happened? Let Let's say you get, and you're, it's not going to happen. But let Let's say twenty five Republicans decide that they're going to go along and they're going to vote to convict him. So he is impeached. What What happens to the the base? Do you think that unites the Republican Party at all? If 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 he's at, if you have all these Republican senators who decide to convict him, I mean. Th- that, that that brings the Republican Party back together? I don't think that it unites them, but what it does is it allows other members of the party to advance and not be, uh, well, I'll say roadblocked uh, by, mm-hmm. by uh, uh, Donald Trump and the specter of his potential run. Now, we all know that he started with the uh, campaign for re-election the moment that he was elected in 2016 because what it was was a cash sweep for him. He's been a grifter his entire life, and that's what he did. He, he ran a, a, re, a, a, a re-election campaign to soak in the money. If he's allowed to be a candidate for 2024, he's going to divert cash mm-hmm. from other viable candidates. Well, I mean, I guess here's the bottom line, though. I, and I appreciate the perspective, but if you think impeachment one way or another makes Donald Trump go away, I, I think I think you're being naive, and I, I'll explain what I mean here. I mean, I don't personally believe that that Donald Trump is going to run is going to run for president in 2024. Now, 
Might Donald Trump try to be a political force? Yes. Might he start a political action committee to try to raise money to support other candidates? Y- yes. Um, but but is he going to be a viable candidate? And, and my answer is is no. But impeachment, can, he's been impeached. Convicting him, if you think it makes him go away, my, my answer is I, I think that that's, that's being naive. I mean, I think he's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to continue to dabble. Now, I don't think he's going to be that effective. But again, I, I know that there's a lot of people who think he's being railroaded. I guess my bigger point is if we want to move on, Does this move the country on? And I go back to what I've been saying about these issues for the last year. The way to have handled this, in my opinion, would have been a resolution of censure. And I think you could have gotten broad bipartisan support for it. And at least it would have – people say, well, censure does nothing. Well, in trying to – convict somebody and impeach somebody after they've left office does even less than than nothing. If you want to make a statement, I think censure would have been it. In any event, um, next week there will be a trial. We'll, maybe we'll, we'll take predictions. You can start thinking about it. Um, maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe there's going to be this huge rush and he's going to be convicted. And, and then you, you have a, a, Congress making a, a statement. I don't see that as happening. And for people who think, okay, well, you know, th- this is going to be a huge determinant. If you have a U.S. senator who, who doesn't vote to convict him, or who does vote to convict him, that you think that's going to be a huge issue in the 2022 or 2024 election, people have short minds. Did anybody vote for, did anybody vote for or against a candidate running for office last November because of the vote they made on impeachment in February or January or whenever that was? And my answer would be no. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Over the last couple days, I, I've been watching the, the national news, and, and typically, I, I'm not a. I, I don't do that a lot, just because by the time I get off the air talking about issues and stuff, I, I really I, I don't want to spend hours watching MSNBC or Fox News or, or CNN or, or whatever. I'm, I'm just ready to find something that is a little bit different than what I do for a living. But I, I have been intentionally doing this because I, I want to see the the approach. And, of course, you, you do have kind of a, a, a dawning in America now, and, and all the conversations are out there about how it's so great that Donald Trump is gone and this is going to be a new world. And, and by the way, I, I'm not rooting against President Biden. I, 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 I never root against presidents. Now, I, I think you can be the loyal opposition and you can disagree on issues and stuff, but I, I want to see the country do well. Heck, heck, I want to see the stock market continue to rise. I want to see people get jobs and continue to work and spend money. And I, I, I want to see the country grow and thrive. And um, I, But at the same time, I, I don't think that that means that you have to surrender honest opinions. And I, I get around to this because the word I'm hearing a lot is is unity. Um, that that you know the the, the vice president President Biden now is calling for unity. We, we we need unity on this. We need unity on that. We we need to stop this this civil war. We we need unity, and I, I guess I understand on one level. But I'm thinking, okay, what does unity mean? Because as I watch these shows that are out there and I listen to the commentary, the the idea of of unity that in some people's minds is definitely different than necessarily the idea of of unity in my mind. Now I I will be the first to agree that President Trump 
was just a, a master of the chaos theory, whether it was the, the Twitter and the name calling and the my way or the highway sort of approach. I, I agree that he was not a unifying force. At the same time, in fairness, if those of you who were the Trump haters would be fair, you would understand that, that, that there was not a desire for unity. I mean, there, there was a war. That at least on issues that broke out from from the beginning, there was not an effort to try to unite around Trump. And I understand that he makes it difficult, but there wasn't an effort. I mean, from the beginning, the approach that the left took against President Trump was he's not legitimate. He this is he couldn't have beaten our chosen candidate Hillary Clinton legitimately. And so first two years is going to be Russia, Russia, Russia. We're going to try to find stuff that we can impeach him on. There, there, there was never an effort by the left to try to unify on issues. So now we're hearing we, we need to unify. Now, I think it is a good thing for the country to come together. And I think it's good to get away from some of the chaos. And, and, and I think Joe Biden has a personality that is suited to that. But yet when I read these stories about unity or I hear all these, now we're, we're hoping for unity, but, but we don't know if the Republicans are going to go along. I find myself asking the question, what, what does that mean, unity? Does, and in the minds of, I, I think, a lot of people, unity means just roll over and let people scratch your belly, and, and then and, and that's it. Don't don't object. Well, if I, to me that's not unity. If it means that you know, if to be united means that you have to look at, for example, that this massive government spending program that, that Joe Biden is rolling out under the guise of COVID relief and say, gee, if you disagree with a $15 minimum wage, if you disagree with doing away with the Keystone pipeline, if you disagree with getting rid of the, the, the tipped minimum wage, you know, fill in the blank. If you disagree with his plan to uh, allow people to who are in this country illegally, not just to become permanent residents, but to become citizens. If you disagree with that, well, you're you're not on board with the unity. Well, no, we, we need to redefine unity. If you're talking about an arguably more civil approach than the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's and the Donald Trump's had. Oh, okay, I, I, I'm I'm on board. If that's unity, if unity means well, you you can't be part of the loyal uh, opposition. You can't object. You can't say this makes no sense. You can't say we can't afford this. You can't say you know I I don't think it's a good idea to do away with tens of thousands of dollars of student loans. If that means that you're against unity, well then count me as being against unity. Now I don't think that's what it should be, but that's one of the questions I hear when I have all these talking heads saying, well now the question's going to be whether Republicans will 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 be willing to unite for the good of the country. Well. Democrats didn't want to unite for the good of the country back in 2016. And again, it's one thing to say, okay, we'll have a more civil conversation. But if unity means rolling over and agreeing to stuff that you don't legitimately believe is good for the country, well, okay, then maybe unity to an extent has to be sacrificed. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Every once in a while. Now, during the course of my program, we will get hundreds of texts 
to the our, our talk and text line. And, and I, I read some on the air. I don't read them, them all. And sometimes I think people... They'll say, well, you're, you're reading these ones that are, are, are disagreeing with you or whatever. Well, that, that's it's not necessarily representative of all the, the texts we get. It's just the ones that I think are interesting that I want to share. But every once in a while, there is a texter that says something that just I say, man, I wish I, I said that. And in, in the last conversation, what we were having was I, I, we were talking about this. I hear when I turn on the TV, unity, unity, unity. We need all this unity. Joe Biden wants unity. And, and in the in the words of many people, I think the idea is unity means you're supposed to, if you disagree with a policy matter, you're supposed to just like a roll over and, and, and let scratch your belly. And you know, over the last week, we've been talking about some of Biden's rollouts. And there's all sorts of things that he's doing that I, I disagree with. You know, getting rid of you know, pushing off student loans or the plan to cut student loans or the plan to an, an eight-year path to citizenship for people who are in the country illegally. I, I disagree with that. Permanent residency, maybe. I disagree with the other. The, getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline, I, I think, is a bad idea. And and I hear, I get some texts from people saying, oh, you're, you're not a unifier. How, how dare you criticize this? You know, I, you know, we, we've got to unite. Well, to, to me, unite doesn't mean that, oh, we just all of a sudden have to agree with everything. If I think something is wrong and I want to oppose it, that, that doesn't mean that you're not for unity, unity, t- and, and certainly, you know, four years ago when Donald Trump came into office, you, you didn't have the other side unite behind him. I mean, I, and I have a text here. It, it's Barry in Sussex who kind of nails it. He said, Jeff, instead of unity, a better word would be civility. And, 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 and yeah, I, Barry, you, you, you nailed it in, in one. That, I, I think that's a, a fair sort of thing. And there, look, let, let's, let's face it. The rhetoric over the last several years ha- has been anything but civil. And, and by the way, for everybody who wants to point at Donald Trump, and, and yes, Donald Trump did not practice civility. He didn't do it in the Republican nomination, the, okay, here's lying Ted Cruz and all that stuff. He That is not his nature. He he. He was not a civil guy. And at the same time, I mean, let's remember Hillary Clinton describing um, what half of the Trump supporters, you, you were the part of that basket of deplorables. That wasn't very much civility. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and a lot of, you know, their supporters and stuff, there, there wasn't a lot of civility. There hasn't been much civility to go around over the last several years. And and you can, you can point to examples with Trump. You can point to examples on the left. There has not been a lot of civility. So if Joe Biden, by saying unity, means maybe we can be a little bit more civil. Maybe it doesn't have to be as as mean-spirited. Maybe we don't have to look at the other side and say these people who disagree with us, they're part of a basket of deplorables or you know, whatever. I, I, I think I think civility is a fair thing, and I think the country would benefit from a more civil discussion. I, I go back. I'm a Ronald Reagan conservative. And I, I think in the minds of, of some people, that, that makes me a, a, a rhino because I'm a Ronald Reagan conservative. But but I, I think, you know, you, you go back to the Ronald Reagan days and you know, back at the time when Reagan was the president, you had uh, Tip O'Neill, who at the beginning was the Speaker of the House. And, and O'Neill would fight with Reagan all the time. But at the end of the day, they could go and they could sit together and they could have a beer. You know, and it, it, you know they recognize that okay, we we could, we can sit together and have a beer. You can't do that now. You can't do it in local politics. You can't do it in state politics. You can't do it in national politics. It's kind of a blood sport, by the way, on both sides. So if the call here is for civility, 
put me down. I, I, I put me down. If by saying unity, we mean, okay, you just have to like roll over and give people, you know, give people on the other side whatever they want, even if you think it's bad. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, that's not what the country's all about, and that's not going to happen. Civility, if that's what we're talking about, yeah, I, I think, I think the country could benefit from civility and civility on on both sides. And and by the way, to some of the people on the left, um, the, the the language about okay, that the, the tries to suggest that every one of the seventy plus million people who voted for Donald Trump is somehow a white supremacist. Okay, that that's not contributing to civility. And, and I I understand there's rhetoric on the right as well, but it, it's a it's a two-way street on this, and, and maybe if we're really trying to unite the country, bring it, make it a more civil country, well, maybe people on both sides need to tamp down the rhetoric just a bit. Okay, when we come back, when we come back, heads have to roll, don't they? I will explain, and we will discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady in the NFC Championship at Lambeau Field. Join us tonight at 6 and Saturday at 4 for Target Tampa Championship Countdown with Greg Matzek. He'll break down the game, get you prepped for Sunday's NFC Championship. It's Target Tampa only here on News Radio 620 WTMJ. Hey, group, producing the show today and always. You know, on, on these big weekends where there's a, a huge game, and I, I try to explain to people who aren't from around here that, you know, when it comes to the Packers, I mean, the, the whole state stops. You know, I was, when I was down in Florida last week, they said, oh, you're, you're, I was wearing my Packers stuff, and they're like, oh, you're from Green Bay, you're, you're, you're from Wisconsin. I said, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. And I said, so you follow the Packers? They said, everybody in Wisconsin follows the Packers. The whole state stops. If, if you're not a Packers fan and you want to shop, go shop during the Packers game because there's nobody else there. But on days, on, on weekends like this, where there is a huge game, and you cannot underscore how huge the game is, I, I find myself... And I, I make a point of never wishing away a day of my life. But you sit here on Friday afternoon. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it to be Sunday afternoon. Are you? Yeah, I'm ready for the weekend, if that's what you're asking. Well, oh, yeah. are you ready for Sunday? I mean, it, it's like it's like I'm kind of like treading water saying I, I can't wait till Sunday whenever the game kicks off. Yeah, the only thing that I'm hoping for is not as much snow as what they're forecasting, because I'm hoping to drive around a little bit. Um, I'm going to be visiting a friend, and we're going to be doing a sort of a grill out for the game. Oh. Um, so I'm hoping that the weather permits that I'm allowed to grill, because typically doing that on like a winter's day, doesn't make sense, uh, but I'm hoping that the weather... Okay, so you realize there are thousands of people listening to us talk now who are now screaming at their radio going, no, we want the crappiest weather possible, don't you? (laughs) We don't care about you being able to grill, buddy. We care about, you know, we care about lousy field conditions for Tampa. As long yeah, as long as Tom Brady's fingers are cold, then I'm happy. But <laughs> but let's keep the snow down to a minimum if you ask me. Well or have the snow the snow is probably I mean what's the forecast? Snow's gonna come like Saturday afternoon and Saturday night right, and stuff yeah. like that. But what whatever. But anyways it's just it's one of these things where you, you have this this anticipation. And somebody somebody's saying, Well what do you got planned for the weekend? And I'm like, well I'm okay, I'm going out to dinner tonight with some friends, my friends Joe and Janet and then um Saturday morning at eight o'clock. Why I why I did this at eight o'clock? I've, I've got to I've got to take the dog in. I got to take Sasha in for like a a routine just checkup, um, and just just got to get a shot or something like that. It's just all routine sort of thing. And I had this entire. I could have done it any time, 
For some reason, I scheduled it for 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Now, why I thought on a Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning would be a an ideal time to do that, I just don't know. But I'm not going to change it. But then, other than that, I really have nothing going on this weekend. Uh, my wife is out of town, so I got nothing going on. So I'm just kind of be sort of killing time, waiting for Sunday afternoon. Absolutely cannot wait. All right. I think heads need to roll. Um, we We know... In anticipation of, in advance of the inauguration, after what happened a couple weeks ago, Washington, D.C. essentially turned into an armed camp on, on Wednesday. You had, you had police that were brought in from all over the country. You had National Guards troop, Guard troops that were brought in from all over the country as well. Matter of fact, um, in, in D.C. on Wednesday, there were 26,000 National Guard troops from from various from all across the country that were deployed in D.C. for the inaugural. Now they're starting the process of sending people home. Right as of I think this morning, the most recent number is there's like ten thousand six hundred left. But there were twenty six thousand Guard troops that that were there. And what they did when they bring in the Guard, they they book hotel rooms for them. But the hotel rooms. You can't get a hotel room in D.C. The, the hotel rooms for the National Guard members are in Virginia, are in Maryland. They're hours, in many cases, they're, they're an hour to two hours away from where the, the deployment is. So the way it, it's set up is that the the National Guard troops, they, they, they work these shifts where there's really, there's not enough time to, to get off duty, to go back, you know, just to spend an hour and a half going to your hotel in Virginia and then having to turn around and come right back. So for for rest breaks, what's been happening, and perhaps you've seen the, the pictures of this, you, you've had National Guard troops that have been deployed there, and, and they're, they're in the Capitol. And they're, they're sitting in the Capitol. Maybe they're sleeping on the floor of the Capitol and things like that because that's where they're taking their, their breaks because they, they can't. There's nowhere else to go. They, they can't get back to their hotels with the timing of this. Well, if, if, you, if you haven't seen it, the, the controversy is the Capitol Police, like they have not been in the news enough. On Thursday, the Capitol Police went to hundreds of National Guards troops that were they're, they're on active deployment that were in the Capitol. And, and what they do is they, you know, they'd huddle on the, along the walls of the Capitol or, or whatever because they didn't have time to go back to their hotels or things like that. The Capitol Police decided we want the National Guard out. So because more people were coming back to the Capitol and, and the excuse was, well, you know, there's more foot traffic. In other words, more politicians and more aides around. So we want the National Guard out. So what happened is there were hundreds of National Guard troops that were relocated to a parking garage near the Capitol. Now, the Washington Post first broke this story, but, but maybe you saw it on, I know Fox News did a thing about it. You have hundreds of National Guards members that were forced out of the U.S. Capitol and the cafeteria resting area. They were put into a parking garage around moving cars, exhaust fumes, and, and other people. And so you had National Guard members who were sleeping on concrete on Thursday night. 
Um, initially, they weren't told why they were ordered out. Then later on, the Capitol Police said, well, there's increased foot traffic from, from lawmakers. So we decided to toss them out. <laughs> Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care if you're a conservative or, or a liberal. I don't care if you're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter or you say a pox on everybody's house. Whoever made the decision to toss National Guard troops out of the House cafeteria or out of the Capitol and relocate them in a Washington, D.C. parking garage Whoever made that decision should be gone. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because, you know, there's good decisions, there's bad decisions, and then there are stunningly stupid decisions. And at least in my opinion, this is a stunningly stupid decision. It is an insult. Can you imagine you're one of the 26,000 National Guard troops who are deployed? You're assigned, you're pulled out of your, your normal life, you're there to protect the capital from whatever, and you know you, you don't have enough time to get back to your hotel room, so you, you guys are hanging out in cafeteria rest areas, and yes, you're, you're while you're there and while you're on these breaks, you're, you're in the way to an extent so that you know maybe some congressman or maybe some congressman or woman's aide has to kind of maybe you know walk through you or step over you as they're on their way to the cafeteria to get soup or whatever. Okay, who, who thinks it's a good idea to say out? Get into a parking garage. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I mean, seriously, what idiot with the Capitol Police thinks it's a good idea to toss hundreds of National Guard troops out of the Capitol, send them over to a parking garage? I'm reading the description. The Washington Post broke this story. Um... Two of the people are saying the troops inhaled exhaust fumes, shared few toilets with hundreds of soldiers, struggled to sleep on concrete under harsh fluorescent life light lights. One of them says, I've never in my entire career felt like I've been booted into the curb and told, figure it out on your own, said one of the soldiers who said he served in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is absurd, said the other soldier, who said one of his men was nearly struck by a car. Yeah, because you've told these guys to like bivouac in a in a concrete parking structure. The the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, he, 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 his response was, I'm recalling all my guys. You know, everybody from the New Hampshire National Guard that's been there, if this is how they're going to be treated, they're, they're coming back. And of course, then, then once this gets out, oh, no, no, we'll, we, we'll let these people come back. But what idiot thinks this is a good idea to do in the first place? Gianni in Montello, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Gianni. Oops, lost Gianni there. Um, Jeff, I listen from D.C. Um, the areas in the city in use for the inauguration were closed off and inaccessible. Um, travel to and from D.C. from Northern Virginia is difficult, and Maryland is difficult on a good day. I can only imagine how that difficult it was for the troops. Yeah, that's why yeah, they have hotel rooms, but the hotel rooms, if you've ever, like the the text was saying, if, if I mean, it's... It's it's not easy to get in and out. It takes a long time if you commute. One of my very best friends, maybe my best friend, you know, lived in in Virginia and you know had to commute every day. And it was it would take hours. It would it would take forty five minutes to an hour. I'm sure it was longer than that. So they can't get back and forth. Now you add this on. Who sends people to a parking garage for? 
goodness sake. Um, let's see. Um, speaking of, let's see. Speaking of stunningly stupid, most of the lawmakers, um, you know, that, that was probably their idea to get the guard out of their way. I hope not. Jeff, um, I agree with you 100%. Whoever made this decision should be fired. Shame on them, that those that had to step over the National Guard while inside the Capitol. They all should say thank you for their service. Jeff, why couldn't they use schools that don't have any students in them? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, but I can't come up with a... It, look, if you want to get these guys out of the Capitol, these men and women, if you want to get the troops out of the Capitol for some reason, okay, but can't you find some place other than a parking garage? Um, you know, it, it's... It is just stunning. Jeff, I agree 100%. Let's disgrace the men and women brought in to protect the Capitol, use them, then throw them to the curb. That's exactly, you know, what's going on here. Jeff, I agree with you. Out with the idiot, right? It is it is just such a staggeringly stupid decision. Jeff, what about other federal buildings? USDA covers a square block. Um Yes, Jeff, the men and women were sent there for a reason. I think they could be given better accommodations than the floor of the Capitol and parking garage. You are correct that some heads should roll. Jeff, the decision is appalling and disrespectful. Um, we would all agree, I think, that whomever made this decision, that Donald Trump said it best, you're fired. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I can't say any more than that. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, now I want to be, I want to be a ray of sunshine here because I was listening to, you know, during Melissa's newscast, I was listening to the weather forecast, and it's right now at our studios, it's about 16 degrees. This morning, it was cold. Okay, I acknowledge it was cold, and I get up early to walk this little dog and stuff, and it, you know, but but at the same time, today is what January 22nd, and we've had, as as Wisconsin winters go, we have had. A mild winter. There hasn't been an enormous amount of snow, and and it hasn't been bitter cold. I mean, normally by this time of year, you, you, we've had a couple of those. Remember a few years back when the word polar vortex, you know, worked into everybody's vocabulary, and you were dealing with like the stupid cold, the the you know twenty degree below zero type of stuff that seemed like it would never end. Well, you know, we're we haven't had. Is it cold? Yes. Was it cold this morning? Yes. Um, but but at the same time, we, we've been pretty lucky this year. There there haven't been massive snowstorms as of yet. There haven't been long stretches of like that bone chilling cold. And I always I, I said this earlier in the show. I never want to get into a position where I, I'm wishing away days of my life. That's just not how, how I operate. I think every day is a gift and. Some days the gift is socks, but but nevertheless, you know, every day is is a gift. But I mean, I, I do acknowledge in the winter it, it gets, especially if you like to do stuff outdoors and play golf and go bicycle riding and those sort of things, it, you're, you're kind of limited. But I, I just today is the twenty second. It, it was cold last night. It's going to be cold tonight. But I, I always look at the ten day forecasts, and if you look at the ten day forecasts, and I understand stuff can change, we, we really have a comparatively mild stretch com- coming out. I mean, there's there, there's no predictions of sub zero temperatures. The highs. Most of the days are supposed to be in the upper 20s, several days above freezing. The lows are supposed to be in the upper teens or the 20s. It, it's that the 10 day forecast, which takes us through the end of January, takes us now through January 31st, doesn't doesn't have any 
bitter cold that's attached to it, and it doesn't have any monster snowstorms. We were supposed to get some snow Saturday night. I think we're supposed to get some snow Monday night. But they're, but they're talking about you know a couple inches. They're not talking about about a foot. And if that forecast holds. Okay, that that takes us to February first. Now, believe me, I understand that you can get, you know, you can get some really bad weather and some really cold weather, and you can get lots of snow in February. But February is a short month, and, and so I guess it's one of those deals where, and yes, you can get cold and snow in, in March as well. But you're getting closer to spring, and, and the idea, the thing that I've noticed is, even though you can get cold in February, it, it will also get warmer. The idea of it just like sticking around for week after week, like we've had, is, is it, that just typically doesn't happen. Now, do I think we're going to get a, a big snowstorm sometime between now and the end of the year? Yeah, because the odds suggest it. Do I think we're probably going to get a a snap of cold weather? sometime in in february yeah do i do i think that maybe you know we might not have an early spring well that, that's all possible and stuff all i'm saying is if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic you look at the 10-day forecast and and you're not a fan of winter if you if you love that 20 degree below zero then then you're grumbling but i don't think that's the most of us if you just look at the long-range forecast hey we're the next 10 days look okay then you're already into February, and you're, you're kind of starting to get over the get over the hump a little bit. So, um, hopefully, we will continue to dodge weather bullets as time goes on. All right. How do you feel about Anthony Fauci? And, and I ask this because he is he is a very controversial figure. Now he he's. A very knowledgeable guy. He was front and center of President Trump's COVID response. Remember, you'd have the lengthy hearings. You'd have those news conferences that went on for an hour or two at the beginning of the COVID thing. And you'd have Anthony Fauci and, and Deborah Burks, and, and they would be they would be featured. And, and they would talk about stuff. And then over time, what happened is there was a falling out between Trump and Dr. Fauci, and Fauci got pushed more to the side. There are people who who think Anthony Fauci is God. That's it, that he can do no wrong. Um, The reality is, and and I don't fault him because I I don't think we knew what we know. A lot of the stuff he said at the beginning of, of the pandemic turned out to be wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't know his stuff. It doesn't mean that he's trying to deceive people. It, it just, I mean, he was one of the guys that said, that came out in the beginning and said, you know, we don't need to wear masks. That, that, he, that, he, you know, and he reversed himself a couple months in. It, it's, it's not like he's a bad guy. It's just that, you know, when you have this, for example, the pandemic, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, you, you don't know about and, and opinions change and, and, you know, the data comes in and it's driven by different stuff. But clearly Fauci fell out of favor with President Trump. There, there's no question about it. And, and they ended up trying to minimize him. At the same time, uh, Dr. Fauci, I, I think I think it would be fair to say that he enjoys being in the limelight and that he has, you know, and, and he likes to express his opinions, which do change from time to time. And again, I'm not saying it's evil. It's just he he, he likes to express his opinions. I'll, I'll leave it I'll leave it at that. And sometimes he's right, and sometimes he's, he's he's wrong. That's kind of the reality as well. And he's clearly been muzzled. He was clearly muzzled by President Trump towards the end. They they had this falling out. Well, he, he's now 
figuratively speaking, been brought out of the closet. And, you know, he and Joe Biden appeared together yesterday. And, well, the story in the Washington Post is Fauci unchained. And it, it talks about how President Biden has now said, hey, that this this is my guy and he can say whatever he wants and, and I'm not going to limit him. And, you know, we're going to listen to the science, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and this is the guy. And, and Fauci is now giving interviews and he's clearly he's clearly, I think, appreciates that role. The other thing that I think impacts Fauci, Dr. Fauci is that he views things from a public health perspective. And I think he would acknowledge that, whereas maybe, you know, during the Trump administration, there there were other concerns as well, not just the public health perspective, but also we, we've got to balance public health concerns with, you know, what we're going to do with the economy and millions of people who are losing their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that second part was never was never Dr. Fauci's concern. That wasn't his mission. He was the public health guy. He didn't have to. It wasn't his concern. I'm not saying he was thrilled that you'd have millions of people lost their jobs, but that was. That was just kind of that wasn't what his worry was. His worry was how do we deal with this pandemic? Anyhow, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Joe Biden now essentially said you're going to be seeing a lot more of Dr. Fauci. He is now, you know, unchained. He can say whatever he wants. You know, he he's free to do that. We're gonna follow the science. Will Joe Biden regret that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He has pretty much untethered Anthony Fauci and said, okay, you, you, you go, you go do your thing. Will he regret that? Do you want to see more Fauci? Do you want to see less Fauci? Has, has he worn out his welcome or do we need more of him front and center? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, I, I I think he should feel free to to speak his mind. At the same time, I think he we also need to acknowledge that from time to time some of the things he says aren't correct, and we need to. I think it's great that he wants to talk. I don't. I think it, it's wonderful that we're all about following the science. The problem is what happens when scientists disagree. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. All right, Doctor Fauci, more of him less of him, or just about the same level. We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. I I think Joe Biden might regret the decision yesterday to say, okay, I'm going to untether Anthony Fauci and and we're going to turn him loose and he's going to say, let the science speak. Because the, the problem is, well, I mean, science, different scientists can look at stuff and they, they come to different conclusions. And again, I, I don't think Dr. Fauci at the beginning of all this was intentionally misleading, but but he, he said a lot of stuff that was wrong be, because the science changes, the data changes. And I mean, you, you I mean, I, the whole thing about and when he was saying, well, you know, I, I think this is when we're going to get out of this. And, oh, no, it's actually not going to be the months later. And I didn't want to be up front with people because, well, I, I didn't think that they could handle the truth. Well, that's that's not following the the science. OK, let's get a couple of texts before we go to the phones. Uh, Jeff, the doctor is an intelligent man. However, he's just that a man. People who feel the government is the answer to all issues run the risk of not realizing that people can get it wrong. In the beginning, we didn't know much about the virus 
but now we do. I would just like the general public to be given more credit for making responsible decisions with their health. Jeff, absolutely not. We need to follow the science. If the last administration would have listened listened to him, maybe we wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. Well, okay, the, the problem is the, the last administration did you know, listen to him in the beginning, and some of the stuff he said was wrong, and then that created a riff. Jeff, I want Dr. Fauci to be free to speak, but President Biden and some of his whole team of advisors should set the public health policy. Fauci has been in this position through multiple presidents. He's knowledgeable and credible, but he should never, and he should never be hidden from public or his view muzzled um, as long as he's wanted by the administration. Jeff, um, I don't think we should place so much emphasis on on one man's opinion. He's human. Who's not wrong occasionally? There should be some sort of consensus like the doctors who appeared on the steps of the Capitol in the spring. We need to listen to more than one voice. Jeff, the problem with Dr. Fauci is the information changed as more was learned and anyone who followed the previous statement was labeled a liar. That's the problem following the science. The science may, in fact, change. Uh, Jeff, Dr. Fauci fell out of favor with me when he smirked at President Trump when he mentioned the deep state. Get rid of him now. Jeff, Fauci is an attention camera loving hack. Well, I, I, I do think he likes the attention. Now, that doesn't make him a bad guy. It doesn't make him an unknowledgeable guy. I do think he likes the attention. Jeff, Fauci is like the weather here. Wait a day or two. He will contradict what he said a few days earlier. Jeff, I think he's an opportunist who doesn't admit when he's wrong and then likes to put blame elsewhere. I mean, he's a controversial figure. There's no question about it. Jeff, if you think Dr. Fauci spoke freely during the last administration, I'm not sure we're living in the same world. Well, no, I think at the beginning he he spoke freely and then Trump ended up muzzling him. Um, Let's see. uh, Jeff, Dr. Fauci says things sometimes that are not correct. Sounds like the rest of us, including yourself. Absolutely. That is my point. That, that is my point. We all say things that turn out to be incorrect. And, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's not knowledgeable. That doesn't mean that he's evil. That doesn't mean that he's mean spirited. It just means that the science kind of changes over time. Bob in Greenfield. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Um, I, I think, um, you need, you need one person, you know, that, that speaks for the White House, and he's going to be it, and he's more than capable of um, uh, interpreting the science, and he's right there uh, with the White House, you know, and all their, whatever their other means of getting information, and um, he kind of takes the um, the focus off the White House with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like letting him be the uh, spokesman, kind of separates it to a medical as opposed to a... Um, it, let me ask I mean, you this. If, who, if and look, and I, I want us to get out of this pandemic, okay? I, I'm, I'm not rooting against the vaccinations or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I want, I want the vaccinations to be distributed out because, to me, that's, that's how we get to normalcy. I, I want the stuff to work. If there are hang-ups or hiccups or whatever, will that cause a rift between Biden and, and Fauci if, if Fauci... If, if things don't go as we all hope they're going to go, um, what, what, what does Fauci do? Does he change his position? Does he blame Biden? Does Biden blame him? How does that play out if it doesn't work out like we all hope it does? I think Fauci is so close 
to Biden on this. You know, he's the inner circle. I, I don't really see them um, having a hiccup or a break in um, the directions they're going because basically the getting the vaccines out is um, mm-hmm. the number one priority. Though I did hear Fauci talk about a, a new strain yesterday. There's a couple new strains, one from South Africa, one from England. And, yeah. you know, obviously, and he's talking about he thinks the vaccines will probably be work with those. You know, I suppose there could be a sign, you know, where sign, and the scientists behind the scenes might say something and Biden agrees with it and Fauci yeah. might not. But I, I really don't see that so much. I I think he's more of a conveyor of the uh, consensus in the White House. Mm-hmm. So you want to see, you would like to see more of him, not less of him, like we've seen over the course of the last several months. Um, I mean, it's it, it, it's enveloped the country. I mean, our our economy is is slowing down because of it. I mean, I, if somebody's got to talk about it, I'd rather have him talk about it. You know, where he's able to uh, talk to science or right. he's been there from the past administration. Um, yeah. Well, he's been there for I, multiple you know, administrations. You know, just... Yeah. Okay. Thanks yeah. for calling. No, I, 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 Fauci is a polarizing figure, and I could share all the texts I'm getting, and there's some people who think that he's a media-seeking hack, and there's some people who think that he's, you know, the, the most brilliant guy since, you know, Jonas Salk. And, and I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, I, I do think... I, I think the administration has to speak with one voice. And actually, I have an interesting, you know, text here that says, you know, it, it's you, you follow the science, you deal with the public health. And I agree with our last caller that we, we want to figure out a way out of the pandemic. At, at the same time, running a government, there, there's all sorts of different considerations that that you have. I mean, I mean, theoretically, if you wanted to dramatically reduce the inf- incidence of COVID, well, what you do. Is you just you you do what some European countries are doing? You just simply say you can't leave your home. You know, forget it. We're we're going to isolate everybody, and and of course that doesn't work because you cripple the economy. People just don't comply with that. You you have to find that balancing. Now you you might disagree with the way Donald Trump balanced that. You might you know I I think Tony Evers overreacted, and a lot of the measures he put in at the beginning were were unnecessary and ultimately were, were unproductive. But okay, reasonable people can disagree about that stuff. The the thing though is. From a health perspective, you're, you're viewing it from a health perspective. I think somebody like Joe Biden, who's also responsible for other aspects of the country, should be listening to the experts, taking that into consideration, and and then making that balancing act. I think it's going to be kind of interesting. But I, look, I hope this is an academic conversation because I sincerely hope that we're able to meet these goals in the first hundred days of getting the millions and millions and millions of doses of vaccine and getting the people you know inoculated because that's we all want to get out of this. So I, I, I hope there's no opportunity for controversy because I hope we, we get this done. Then we don't even have to worry about whether it's too much Anthony Fauci or not enough Anthony Fauci. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. One of the favorite aspects of my long-standing and long-suffering producer group, one of the favorite parts of the show for him is when, out of the clear blue, 
I have him pose as part of the audience, and I ask an obscure question that I have not told him beforehand. I, I know that's one of your very favorite parts. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, you couldn't have told me that beforehand, right? You love that. Sure. What do we got this time? All right. Six months from tomorrow. Do you know what is scheduled to occur six months from tomorrow? Uh, so that would be July 23rd. July 23rd, 2021. Do you know what is supposed to occur? I'm not sure. Well, don't don't feel bad, because if, if I hadn't prepared the topic, I would not have known it either. And if we opened up the phone lines and took, you know, the first 10 calls and just out of the clear blue, now people are perhaps Googling it and stuff. All right. But people would not have known. Six months from tomorrow, July 23rd, is when the Tokyo Olympic Games are supposed to start. Now, the the Olympic Games, if if you are a fan of the Olympic Games, you know that they're on two-year cycles. So in 2020, the Summer Olympic Games were scheduled to be in Tokyo. Obviously, because of the ongoing pandemic, they were delayed. They kicked them back to July 23rd of 2021. And then next year, 2022, is when the Winter Olympics are supposed to be. So the idea when we kicked back the Olympics last year was the the idea was, okay, we're, we're going to be done with the pandemic. We're going to be out of it. We're going to be back to normal so we can go ahead and have the Olympic Games this summer. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I was reading a story in, of all places, the Times of London, uh, who are saying that even though the, the, the Tokyo Olympic game organizers don't want to admit it, there is no way the Olympics occur. And if they don't occur this year, they said they're not going to be delayed another year. So it looks like... The Olympic Games are just, it, it's going to be like an asterisk, and there's not going to be any Olympic Games this year, just like there weren't Olympic Games, you know, during, like, the Second World War. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you see any way that the Olympic Games are going to occur this summer, six months and one day from now? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I will, and look, I'm I'm a fan of the Olympics. I I, I love I, I love the thing. I love everything that goes around with it. I'm just telling you, I just don't see any way that this is going to occur. During the break, I was just looking. They have in in Japan. All right, they're 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 getting hit just as hard as as everybody else is. They have not approved vaccines yet. The hope is that by the end of February, end of February. They can start with the vaccination process. So they're, they're, they're not even approved vaccinations that are, that are being given to people now. So you're not even going to start that process till the end of February. On top of that, you have right now outbreaks. I was just looking. They've just they've had their second wave that, that kicked in. And as of at least two weeks ago, which is the story I find, that they've implemented all these different restrictions and they've got these curfews and yeah, stuff is closed at 6 o'clock. I mean, they're they're dealing with the pandemic just like the rest of us are. But I guess I, I look at this and I'm sitting there thinking, e- even though these organizers are holding on, and from the perspective of the, the, the Olympic Games, yes, a lot of it is television spectacle. I, I get it. But a lot of the, the host communities, for example, they depend on travel. And, and my question is, who in the world, literally, who in the world in July is going to be traveling to Tokyo to participate or to watch the Olympic Games? I mean, it's 
and and frankly, if you have if you have a family member who who wants to qualify for the Olympics, can, can you see accompanying them there? And, and do we really think that by July you're going to have you you might have some venues that are open, and you might have some sort of limited seating and things like that. But you know, can, can you picture packed stadiums? particularly like packed indoor stadiums by by July, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, would, would you travel? Would you travel to Tokyo six months from now? And, and more importantly, would you, people that are doing this, have to be making the arrangements now? I mean, do you think that there's people who are going to be participating in, in this and that they're going to be going and attending? I, I just, I, I'm not rooting for this. But I guess as a practical matter, you, you reach a point, but for example, around here locally, organized, and I'm not comparing the St. Patrick's Day Parade to the, the Olympics, but I mean, the organizers of the St. Patrick's Day Parade have said, look, we, we don't even think we can do a parade. Realistically, can you do an Olympics in the next six months, given where we are at this stage, and given the fact that you have athletes from all over the world and people from all over the world who would be attending? And even if you get a handle on COVID-19 in the United States, and we're starting to get back to some sense of normalcy by the summer or by the fall, well, that that's not necessarily the case all across the world. 855-616-1620. I'm not rooting for this. I just don't see any way I don't see any way this happens. And, and maybe the sooner we acknowledge it, the better. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Do the Olympic Games come off this summer? Um, do they have them just as a made-for-TV event? Does that make any sense? Will there be a Summer Olympics in the summer of 2021? If I were a betting guy, and I am, I'd say the odds are 80% no. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Julio in Milwaukee. Hello. Hello, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, we should let the games uh, go on, just uh, allow the athletes to compete. And we're talking... About six months from now, from from now, there should be plenty of vaccines. Allow the athletes to get vaccinated and let them compete. What about spectators? Do you think you'd have spectators that are going to go? Uh, I'm pretty sure people would want to go, but uh, um, I don't see how they would address that. I mean, that would be for them to address it. But yeah, because right now Japan shut that- down. Right, right now you can't. You can't get into Japan, or at least you can't from the United States, and I think you can't from most European countries. Um, so you think that there's enough time to pull this off? I think so. I mm-hmm. believe so. Well, thank, I mean, you you know, I, again, who, I, I, you're, the, the clock is ticking. I mean, that's why I guess in the back of my mind, you, you say, okay, six months. Well, that seems like forever. Well, I, I guess my only comment would be, Julio, it, it seems like forever, but it, it's really given all the infrastructure and the things that have to happen. And I guess the idea is, okay, well, we're, we're going to vaccinate the athletes. Well, like I say, some countries haven't even approved the vaccines. And I, I can't give you a country-by-country country list, but like in Japan, they're saying – they don't even start the rollout of the vaccinations if they're lucky until late February, early March. And that, that's when it starts. So by that time, you're down to what, like, you know, four months, you know, four and a half months. I guess it, at some point in time, 
you you got to wave the white flag and you got to ask yourself the question is this going to happen jeff i think the olympics will happen here's a text the olympics is pretty well uh um Let's see. At some point, we have to take the time, the risk, and actually try things. I think with extensive testing and bubbling, keeping the athletes in a bubble, it can be done safely. Well, I don't know. I mean, yes, Olympic Village is typically a, a bubble, I guess. You know, that's that's one of the things where if you if you look at the stories, they always tell about the the enormous number, for example, of condoms that they they bring in. It it's a bubble, but there, it, it's not like people aren't isolated. I guess I'm wondering what these various the, the local the Olympic committees for the different countries are going to do, um, because th- there's almost no way. Yes, can you keep the athletes in an Olympic village so that they, they, they don't interact with the general public? Yeah, I guess you can do that. But how do you stop them from interacting with other athletes from other countries? And I think the answer is probably that you don't. From an economic perspective, is it worth doing it if it's just going to be exclusively a made-for-TV event or a largely made-for-TV event? All I can say is I'm I, I'm glad I'm not having to uh, do this, Jeff. If they can let in maybe 6,500 season ticket holders, well, that's that, that, that's the thing. I mean, think now again. Right, right now it's Lambeau Field in, in January, but we can only have 6,500 season ticket holders. Six months from now in Tokyo, can you can you have 10,000? Can you have 15,000 people at some indoor venue watching basketball? If you're if you're an NBA player, you know, are, are you? Are you going to sign up to be part of the U.S. team that's going to go to this environment, you know, given the fact that you still might be exposing yourself to to COVID? Um, Jeff, I don't think the Olympics are going to occur unless all athletes are vacu- vaccinated and, and no fans are allowed. I don't know. Hope not. Because like I say, I'm a fan of the Olympics. But this is the London Times is already reporting that that the decision they're not coming out with this, but that they're starting to face the stark reality that it's not going to happen. If I were a betting guy, and like I say, I am a betting guy on this one as well, I'd say it's probably eighty twenty that it just doesn't occur, or if it occurs, it occurs in such a watered down fashion to almost make it irrelevant. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. For everybody who thought, no pun intended, that Joe Biden taking over the presidency, that it was going to be a rose garden, well, I I think he's finding that there might be some thorns that are around in that. Now, earlier on in the program, we talked about unity and this call for unity. And uh, candidly, I I think that that term is being misused because if unity means if you have legitimate policy disagreements, if you don't think, all right, an automatic path to citizenship is the way to go, or you object to a $15 minimum wage, that, that, the fact that you object to it doesn't mean that you're, you're against unity. It means that, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're not a blind follower. So you, you've got that, that that's going on. And I think actually one of our texters made the point earlier that instead of unity, the word is better for civility. And, and yeah, maybe we, we can all strive to be more civil. And whether it's the Hillary Clinton describing the, the basket of deplorables that she considers the people who voted for Trump to be, or you know, the, the President Trump rhetoric about, you know, this or that or whatever, or the Nancy Pelosi rhetoric, you know, maybe we can be more civil. And I, I think that's something to work for. But, you know, here's one of the bottom lines of all this. One of the big problems that Joe Biden has, and it's not 
touched on right now by the mainstream media because it doesn't fit the narrative. And it's not consistent with the message that's coming out of, of the left who, who, you know, want to appropriately so denounce the, the capital riots. And I understand all that. But you have these people on the left that are making political hay by denouncing the white supremacists who tried to stage the coup and sedition and all that. And, and, and their outrage is, is well placed. It's interesting, though, that there doesn't appear to be any outrage directed at, at the kook left and the fringe left that continues its uprisings. Uh, there was, to my knowledge, no pro-Trump-related rioting, destruction, vandalism, etc. that occurred on Election Day. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the stuff at the state capitals wasn't warranted. You want to be better safe than sorry after what happened a couple weeks ago. I get it. I understand that. But but there, there wasn't any, you, you didn't have the white supremacists that were rioting in Madison or anything like that. But there was violence that was out there. And, and it, it didn't get much attention because, again, it doesn't fit the narrative. Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Denver, Colorado, you had, you had huge out, you had outbreaks. You had outbreaks of protesters, a, a lot of which was the, the hardcore anti-America crowd, the, the Antifa crowd, the, the, it, it's not, they're not pro-Biden. They're not happy and they're not satisfied with Biden. In Seattle, protesters burned American flags on the street. The group chanted, no cops, no prisons, Total abolition. No cops, no prisons, total abolition. In Seattle, police said a group of marchers dressed mostly in black lighted a lo- lit a large American flag on fire at an immigration off not far from the federal immigration court. The people tore plywood covering off of windows and then smashed the windows. All numerous uh, buildings were damaged in downtown Seattle. In Portland, a group of 150 people marched Wednesday afternoon, um, broke windows. They actually attacked the Democratic Party of Oregon headquarters, set a dumpster on fire. Photos from the media showed a crowd dressed in black, marching with banners, including one phrase saying, we are ungovernable. A banner captured another photo reads, we don't want Biden, we want revenge, including both anarchist and anti-fascist symbols Another sign that said, well, a word I can't say on the radio, ICE. Um, it's so, so I mean, here, here's the idea. Now, I understand when I was mentioning this yesterday, I get a couple people text, oh, how dare you talk about Antifa? How dare you, you know, be so disunifying to talk about, like, the, the violence that's coming from the left? I'm here to tell you that, you know, for everybody who thinks that uh, just because Joe Biden has been elected, the kook fringe that is out there on the left is going to go away. Well, I mean, you're, you're smoking wacky weed because there there are people that are actually ungovernable that are out there. And, you know, Trump was one of the excuses they used to engage in their antisocial destructive behavior. But that hasn't changed. They're, they're still out there, and it doesn't matter whether it's Trump or Biden or Kamala Harris or Mike Pence or whatever. They are, in fact, ungovernable. They're about trying to bring down the country. And... Just like we have to be on the watch for the white right-wing extremist groups, there's no question about it, um, that, that we, we need to be on the watch for the left-wing extremist groups as well. And it would be nice to see some of these politicians get on board with that and recognize that, yeah, you want to be vigilant about, uh, again, the, you know, the, the white 
supremacist groups. Of course you want to do that. But also, there's a lot of this other stuff going on. And right now, places like Seattle and Portland and other cities are, are still in flames too often because of the left-wing go- uh, groups. And, and maybe maybe they can be denounced as well. Just saying. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. How's that for a segue? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.